Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you'd like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Bible in a Year reading plan. We also have PDFs available to download on our website, grove.church. Yeah, so jump on, download that uh, PDF version. You can read along with us. And as you're reading along with us, we'd love for you uh, to send us questions that you may have. Uh, as you're reading along, maybe something stands out to you and it's a little bit clunky or confusing. Uh, I know that happens to me often, so I always ask Evan. He's my Bible answer man. Um, but we'd love to, for you to send in those questions to us so we can spend time a- answering them. You can do two ways. One is an email. Uh, you can email us at info at grove.church. You know what we should do? We should come up with like a text inversion uh, of that where they can just text us. Uh, oh, yeah, we Anyways, uh, so you can email us. We don't have a text version yet, but email us at info at grove.church. Or you can jump on Facebook, direct message our Grove Church Facebook page, uh, and send us a message there. We are the Grove Church in Washington State uh, in the United States of America. So we'd love for you to send those, question, those questions in. Uh, tonight, today, we actually have another question we're going to answer. Uh, that'll be kind of a, it's a really good, fun, intriguing question. So yeah, it's, uh, that's I'd, coming at the end of the podcast. I've never given it much thought, but it's definitely, yeah. it's definitely, the other thing too, I just realized this because we just did a bunch of updates to our website, which if you're curious, you can check it out at grove.church, but there's now a button you can click to chat, which sends it. Yep. I get those directly to the Facebook messenger. There's page. another option. So if you just, it's almost like a text inversion. Exactly. But, if you uh, just specify that it's a let's read the Bible question, because if you just send in random Bible questions, we just might answer you and. Where's the fun in that? And then I won't be able to spend time answering questions because I don't get those questions. Only Evan does. Then he brings them to the podcast. That's true. Don't leave me out, guys. Don't do it. All right. So last week we talked about, uh, well, we decided in the middle of the episode, we're going to do an episode on Leia. Yep. So that is Leia. Leia. You mean Leia. Leia is from Star Wars. We're not talking about her. Listen. Leia is from Genesis. We're going to talk about her. That's fair. So that is what we're going to be talking about today, or rather that's who we're going to be talking about today. Uh, As far as resources that we're using, as always, the ESV Study Bible, Logos Bible Software, and then we're also using the Zondervan Illustrated Bible Dictionary by J.D. Douglas, Merrill C. Tenney, and Moises Silva, and the Baker Encyclopedia of Bible People by Mark Water. Water. Water? Not Mark (laughs) Baker, which is what you would think with a name like the Baker Encyclopedia. but. What are you going to do? Makes me wonder why you named it Baker. Okay. So the reason we did it, and if you listen to last week's episode, or the reason we're doing this on Leah, is I think she kind of gets a rough, she gets a rough um, picture painted. Oh, she has a bad reputation. In the Bible. Yeah. She's a very negative. When you hear the name Leah, when it comes to Genesis, there's a negative connotation for the majority of people who have read the Bible. And have seen her picture. And even I'm even I'm guilty of it because like um, you know how when you're young like you name your cars and so like I named I've never named my car <laughs> really so I never. named I had one car crap out after six months and I was so mad at it that I named my next car Rachel because I wanted her to be the better sister <laughs> and so it was just like so even I, even That's I'm guilty hilarious. of uh, of leaning which into which car was that was I around when it's you? actually no it's the current car I have. I've had oh, it for the like, Civic yeah I've had it for like six years so it got it, it I remember your was it a Kia it was a Kia before this right. It well no so I not that the listeners care about it but I had a Kia that crapped out and then I bought another car and that one only lasted like six months so Which you don't you that? don't you don't even remember it because it didn't last very long and then I bought the car I have now so and my beautiful 1999 Honda Civic has lasted me many many years and continues to bring me joy and fun so. fact he actually taught himself to drive a manual after he bought this car from a friend well I, I mean my friends taught me how to drive it but yeah yeah but he didn't he didn't know how to buy it he didn't know how to drive a manual it's a, it's a manual. 
Uh, if you don't know what a manual is, it's a stick shift. That's another way to say it. But uh, I was pretty go. proud of Evan when he taught himself how to drive it. I think in the church parking lot was part of it, wasn't it? That was definitely part of it. Yeah. yeah. Good Anyways. times. All right. Enough about cars. Back to Leah. This isn't Let's Talk About Cars <laughs> podcast. So we're talking about Leah this week. Um, so we're just gonna we're just gonna go ahead and dive right in. Um, just to give you some background, we don't know a lot about no, not really. Leah's childhood. She's and the same with Rachel. Yeah. Like they're not really mentioned up until the point where it's. They meet Jacob, and then well, that's for the purpose of, of scripture. Like it wasn't necessary. <laughs> like let's just be honest there. Yeah. That's why we don't know a lot. But that's neither here nor there. So, so to give you a little bit of background, uh, Jacob at this point has deceived uh, Esau, and he's deceived his father Isaac, and so mm-hmm. he's on the run. Esau's threatened to kill him. Rebecca, his mother, is like, "Hey, you should just go live." Um, by Laban. Yeah. Laban, my, my brother. And he's like, all right, let's go do that. And so he runs away. And then as he's getting there, he sees, uh, this woman, a woman who is just to him, the most beautiful woman he's ever seen. And and she's an answer to his prayer because he's looking for a wife and here she shows up Mm -hmm. and her name is Rachel. Yep. So in Genesis, (laughs) not Leah in Genesis 29, 10 through 20, we get this story. Now, as soon as Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, just to Make sure you remember that they're cousins. So thanks for that Bible. Uh, And the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, Jacob came near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered... And watered the flock of Laban. Okay, real quick, I get this crazy picture like Jacob like strutting up, flexing his muscles and rolling this rock for Rachel just so he can capture her her attention. Well, I forgot where I was reading this, but I heard um, a while ago that rolling the stone away from the well was like a multiple guy thing that you would get a couple people and you do it every morning, like that sort of thing. And so when Jacob's doing this, there's a hint that he's kind of like showing off. Oh, hello. Check and then I don't know why I went Look that accent pants. there, but I did. Look, sometimes you wear stretchy pants. It's for fun. A little nacho libre. Uh, and then this is my favorite line. And then Jacob kissed Rachel and wept aloud. <laughs> so basically he rolls away the stone, he sees Rachel, um, and he just walks up and kisses her, and then he starts crying. So, um, if you've seen the movie Bedazzled, when Brendan Fraser is crying at the sunset, that's the picture I get in my head as well. There you go. There's a lot of old school movie references right now. So. Um, and so, but it didn't drive away Rachel. Nope. Um, it probably would have driven away my wife if I tried that. But you know, good good for Rachel. She she's able to look past the the weirdness of yes. their of their first encounter. Uh, and Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's kinsman and that he was Rebecca's son. And she ran and told her father. As soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob, his sister's son, he ran to meet the, uh, meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. But he didn't cry. After That's he true. Kissed him. Uh, Jacob told Laban all of these things. And Laban said to him, surely you are bone, you are you are my bone and my flesh. I almost said bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. No, that's, that's Adam's reference to Eve. Yep, my Come bad. on, bro. And he stayed with him a month. Then Laban said to Jacob, because you are my kinsman, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. So just to pause on that verse really quick, it's notoriously hard to translate. And by translate, I mean, it literally says Leah's eyes were weak. Um, but we don't know what that means. Yeah. And it's kind of one of those cases of- we a figure of speech that we don't have any understanding of exactly. what it actually means. Um, but we can guess at what it means because it's contrasted with the idea that Rachel is beautiful in form and appearance. So when we say Leah's eyes were weak, we mean, or the the writer means in, in some way she was less attractive than Rachel. Yeah. So, or, Not just less, like she was significantly unattractive compared to Rachel. That's true. Her name also, I found out, means wild cow, which is not- um, I. 
in every all of the research I did, it I've said, never heard that. Really? So oh. dude, I'm I'm dying right now. So, but in in all of the research, it made it very clear that this was not like a pejorative thing. That it was like, but that's just what her name translates to. But with the way well, in we, biblical times, they named um, they named people based upon not just appearance, but characteristics yeah. and kind of their how they were born or things like that. So, but all all of that to say, um, it's not Sorry, meant in the yeah. way that like if we called someone a cow today, that's a very different thing than what that means. But yeah, that's what her name means. So fun fact. Uh, that's let's see. Funny. Now I've lost. Oh, here we go. Jacob loved Rachel, and he said, "I will serve you for seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel." Laban said, "It is better that I give her to you than I should give her to any other man. Stay with me." So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had oh, for her. Young what love. a what Did a you experience beautiful that with moment. your wife because I know you endured kind of a couple year process. That's true. I don't. Yeah, looking. I guess looking back on it, it's like I don't even remember it really. Just kind of moving, moving on. Uh, and so, yeah, there you go. Jacob decides to work for seven years so that he can marry Rachel. It's a whole, I mean, it's a big commitment. Yeah. So maybe a little bit less because they lived longer back he then. He loved her a lot. He did. Seven years worth. Um, and so Leah's introduced basically as an afterthought to Rachel, which is really sad, but it's just, that's just the way it is, right? It's contrasting. Here's this woman that Jacob loves. He finds her incredibly attractive. She's going to be the mother of like some of the main characters moving forward. Um, and then she had the sister named Leah who was weak in the eyes. And that's kind of like how- An older sister who yeah. was priority when it comes to these things such as marriage. But yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an interesting deal. Uh, sorry, Leah. Interesting deal. Um, and she's also just clear, I mean, just to make it clear, she's not the first choice of Jacob. So, I mean, obviously from reading that you're aware, but, um, Jacob is in love with Rachel. He wants to marry Rachel. Um, but we'll see what happens here in the next passage that we're reading, um, in Genesis 29, 21 through 30. Um, so picking up right up where we left Seven off. Seven years completed of working. And yep. then Jacob shows back up. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife that I may go into her for my time is completed. Uh, that euphemism will be used many times over these passages. Uh, so Laban gathered together all of the people of the place and he made a feast. But in the evening, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob and went, and he went into her. Laban gave his female servant Zilpah to his daughter Leah to be her servant. I don't know why that's in there, but it's it's in there for both. Um, so there you go. Eventually it comes into play, I suppose. But in the moment, it's like cool. Yeah. It's just kind of an aside, uh, but we'll see why it's important here in a little bit. Uh, and in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? Did I not serve with you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? Laban said, it is not so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one and we will give you the other one also in return for serving me another seven years. What a, what a turkey Uncle Laban is. Uh, Jacob Siddo did so, Siddo, <laughs> Jacob did so and completed her week. Then Laban gave him his daughter, Rachel, to be his wife. And bridal well, ceremonies back in that day, just so you know, when he says completed her week, they lasted. The ceremony, the, the, the big, it was a big party. Like, so it was a week long uh, journey and endeavor to right. consummate a marriage and um, work that way for sure. But yeah, the weddings aren't like they are now where you show up at two and you're out of there by six. Yeah. So it's no, you a, show up, you party, you have a good time. Party again, have a good time, party again, all and on. And when I say good time, I just mean partying with family and friends. We're so, just three guys and we're having a good time. I don't know what that's from, but oh, that's a good song. So, anyway, uh, so, so that's what he means by finishing the week. So they finished the week of ceremony and then moved on to, it's almost like the honeymoon is what it in essence becomes. Yeah, that's good. That's we good have a wedding it. ceremony, then we go on a honeymoon typically is the tradition today. 
But that's the con- that's the thing. He finished the week of ceremony and celebration for the for the wedding, and then they became a family. So you're telling me that Jacob and Leah didn't honeymoon in Egypt on the Nile? No, they at did a not. Nice resort. No, him and Rachel did. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, and then it says uh, Laban gave his female servant Bilhah to his daughter Rachel to be a servant. Again, not important right now, but. It will be in a little bit. Uh, so Jacob went into Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah and served Laban for another seven years. I will. So, so I've never paid attention to this. Am I understanding correctly? Like right after Leah yes. and Jacob had their week long ceremony, then he went and had a week long ceremony with, with Rachel right after that. Exactly. How did I ever see that? Like for see, some reason, I just always read past it. It's funny. Cause like when, yeah, That's when I was, a, when I was a kid me. growing up in, in, in kids church, it's always taught or at least the way I remember being taught is uh, Jacob works for seven years. He marries Leah and then he works another seven years yeah, and marries Rachel. I do too. But That's at least, I was like, wait a minute. At least Laban had the decency <laughs> to, to pay in advance, I guess, this next time He around. better, dude. Can you imagine if he didn't? Dude, what? A, yeah, 14 years. Ugh. So anyway, well, he does end up working 14 years, but at least- But he gets Rachel along the way. Um, and also the, 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 uh, the bummer of this fact is there's really never a time where Leah has Jacob to herself. As far as like uh, that husband and wife relationship, yeah, it's that first week and that's it. Um, but you can kind of you kind of get the picture that oh, so that entire sad. time Jacob is just looking forward to being married to Rachel. He's probably not giving her that much attention, and then by the time uh, him and Rachel are married, Leah is just kind of there. Yeah. So, uh, so that is the start of their marriage. That's how we get to know Leah right out the gate. Yeah, and, and I think right off the bat, you kind of get this idea that um, she's been dealt a pretty bad hand. Um, and I, I, I want to be careful too, because I think she's obviously complicit, complicit in the deception as well. Um, but it's a little bit different as, as far as today goes, just because like, if that's what your father's telling you to do, especially yeah, you didn't back have then, a choice. Yeah. Like that's you, just, and I say this very carefully, but in biblical times, like women were property in that viewpoint, like the fathers and men owned them to a degree where it wasn't a matter of like, they have their own ideas and agenda. So that, that's what even go back to the conversation for a second for what Esther did, like the story of Esther, right. which we talked about last year was so significant because Esther kind of stepped out of her knowing her role as a woman and the queen. That's why it was, the issue was with the Vashti when she didn't want to do what the king wanted to, like you don't do that. And so um, so in, in ancient times, like that was part of the, just the culture and the norm. Now, whether it was right or wrong, I'm not saying that. I actually think it was wrong because I yeah. think women, there's equality there. So Well, and I think you also, you also have it's it's shown in the law, I think. Yes. That and this is obviously generations later, but you do see in the law put down like no women aren't just property. Here is the rights that they mm-hmm. that they have. Like and you can't just and it's the same thing with like they do they do it with women, they do it with foreigners. Um, there's a lot of things in the law that today we look at in fr- from modern eyes or at least modern Western culture, and we think like, well, yeah, duh. But like yeah. back then, those were revolutionary things. Those yeah. those were counterculture to the world around them. So. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, so the marriage quickly becomes a competition between the sisters. Um, so Rachel is barren for the first uh, decent chunk of yeah. the marriage. She can't have any children. While Leah has four sons. So Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah are all born during this time. Um, you get this idea that um, Rachel is just really upset. And it, you also get this idea, too, that God is kind of just looking out for Leah because like, he knows like she's just kind of trapped in this loveless marriage. And mm-hmm. so he blesses her with like, you know, sons and, and they're not just any sons too. Like uh, you may recognize the names of Levi and Judah. Those are very important sons. Yes. So, but we'll talk about that um, a little bit later. And also the other part of that too with Rachel is, is part of your, um, your value was attached to childbearing. If you are not able to, oh, yeah. try, to have children, 
your worth and value to your husband and family was not was just not ask high up there because of lineage and legacy. Like the the father needs a son to carry on the name. Like it carries on that legacy, carries mm-hmm. on the lineage. And uh, so the fact that Rachel couldn't have children at this time was a was a pretty big blow. Um, and and I don't think Jacob loved her less because. But I do remember even Leah says maybe he'll love me more because I'm having kids. Right. Um, just ask uh, Henry VIII how he feels about having a wife that doesn't give him any sons. So. You lost me. What? He Bro. Like, he like killed like three of his wives. You are a brilliant encyclopedia that's of not, all sorts of information. That's, not, that's just like, that's yeah. just a fun fact. And he. <laughs> For <laughs> like, you. Um, so someone out there who was listening laughed at that joke. Yes, I believe that. I don't, I don't dis, disagree with that at all, but I'm just like. So after, after this happens, uh, Rachel then offers her servant to Jacob as a wife. Um, and she bears him two sons, Dan and Naphtali. Dan to this day being one of my favorite biblical names because it just like. So boring. Simeon, Levi, Judah, Dan. Yeah. Issachar, Naphtali, all of these. And oh, yeah, Dan, why not? Um, and so after that, Leah is not able to have any more children. So she's, she's had four kids. She's past the point of being able to have kids, it seems like. And so she offers her servant uh, to Jacob and she bears him two sons. So we get Gad and Asher. So there's, you know, Leah has four sons. Rachel's like, okay, I need to compete. So she... Her servant has two sons. Yep. Her servant has two sons with Jacob, which it sounds really weird to us today. To be honest, it is really weird and bad. But yeah. back then, that the, was just I mean, the whole thing is weird. The whole thing, yeah, with Jacob having two wives is totally weird. Like so. Well, I, re- I remember too. I um, I had a, a youth student ask me about this years ago, um, but was basically saying like, well, like why, why does the Bible say that polygamy is good? Um, I think is kind of how he phrased it. And I was saying like, well, we have to be really careful because like the Bible makes, um allowances for polygamy in certain situations, particularly like with, um, with kinsmen redeemers and those yeah. sorts of things. But it's, I can't think of a single well, but situation. Even, but even in that context for a second, the kinsman redeemer is not polygamy, polygamy. The kinsman, it, it can be. No, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's accurate. Well, oh my, I think I, I be, yeah. Cause no, cause if, uh, what's kinsman redeemer is when the father, the husband dies and there's no kids to redeem the name and the legacy and the lineage. Right. And so what happens is, and this is where we see that Ruth and Boaz is her, her husband died, passed away with no children. So then it comes into like the next up, whoever's the, the next in authority mm-hmm. kin, like the, the relative, that's the redeemer. That's the kinsman. Redeemer. Right. But I think, I think that not that this is like super important. I believe that that redeemer can be married and it would take, cause I, who, it's Oren, right? Is the character who, um, God kills him because he refuses to have kids with his brother's wife, which in that sense is who would have thought I would ever say that. But like his brother dies, he marries. But is he married? I believe so. Anyway, we don't need to solve this right now. We'll come, we'll come back to it. Maybe we'll do some research after the episode ends. We'll add it on tagline there. But it's curious. I just want to be careful. And the reason why I bring it up and why I, and and again, I didn't think we'd go this direction with it, but it is a, it is a curious thing to me, but I'm not, I don't know. Polygamy being, I don't know. All, all of that to say. Situational being okay. I, that's why I'm wrestling. So anyway. Sure. I'll, I'll figure it out and then we can talk more about it next week. I'll, I'll, I'll take my first portion before we jump right. into next week's discussion and recap it. So stay um, tuned for that. All, all of that to say, I don't, think there's re- I don't think there's a situation in the Bible where it's made obvious that polygamy is happening and it's a good thing. Yeah. And that's what I was trying to say to him. Like just because the Bible doesn't outright say like, hey, this is a bad idea doesn't mean that the stories of the Bible aren't telling you like, hey, like when David marries 
multiple women doesn't work out for him. Yeah. When Solomon marries, what, 300, it does not work out for him. Yeah. And then with all the patriarchs, right? With uh, with Sarah and Hagar, it doesn't work out. And then with these situations with both Rachel and Leah and also, um, I forgot their servants. names. Yeah, the servant girls. Bilhan. Yeah, it was just up there. <laughs> but Zilpah. Yeah. In those situations, it also doesn't work out. And so that's kind of, yeah, it's just something to keep in mind that the Bible doesn't have to explicitly say that this thing is wrong for it to be telling you that it's not wise. Yeah, totally agree. And I, and I think just, just to say this, and then we can move back to the topic at hand. I think I'm in the boat and the other opinion. I think that's part of what is so beautiful about the, the word of God is that it doesn't have perfect people doing everything perfectly. That person is Jesus. That's yeah. it. Everybody else has their, their problems and vices and, and flaws and issues and, and God still uses imperfect people um, to carry about his plan and his will, ultimately leading to the redemptive story of Jesus. Jesus comes from a very broken lineage. Um, and so I think that that's the beauty of scripture. And I don't, it shouldn't, my hope is that it doesn't dissuade you, a listener or a friend of yours to not even trust the, the integrity and the, and, and the validity of God's word. Um, because the beauty of scripture is also in its imperfect people mm-hmm. seeing a perfect will of God unfold. Um, in the redemptive narrative of scripture. So uh, just to say that real quick, because for some people it can be a turnoff. Well, if the Bible got that wrong, it would get so many other things wrong. Well, there's more to the conversation than just whether it's right or or whether the Bible got something right or wrong. So yeah, back to the conversation. So as all of this is happening, we get um, really this this really terrible story that just kind of shows how broken and dysfunctional um, this family is at the time. So it says, in the days of the wheat harvest, uh, Reuben went and he found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother, Leah. Uh, real quick aside, we don't know exactly what the fruit that is translated as mandrakes is, um, but there's some hint that it, I believe it directly translates to love fruit. And so there's hmm. there's an idea that possibly um, this could, like there could be, people at this time could have thought that maybe these fruits had increased fertility or something like that. So, and you'll see why maybe that could be the case here in a second, but uh, continuing on, it says, then Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. Uh, But she said to her, is it a small manner that you have taken away my husband? Would you take away my son's mandrakes also? Rachel said, then he may lie with you for uh, tonight in exchange for your son's mandrakes. When Jacob came in from the field in the evening, Leah went out to him to meet him and said, you must come in, uh, come into me for I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he lay with her that night and God listened to Leah and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Leah said, God has given me my wages because I gave my servant to my husband. So she called his name Issachar and Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. Then Leah, Leah said, God has endowed me with good endowments. Now my husband will honor me because I have borne him six sons. And she called his name Zebulun. After, afterwards, she bore a daughter and called her Dinah. So like, it's, I mean, it's like, it's funny because like I was reading through this. I was thinking how incredibly sad that um, she basically has to purchase time with her husband because Jacob so obviously yeah. favors Rachel. Um, and you kind of get the hint that he hasn't been with her in a long time. Um, both like, um, in that sense, but also in just the sense of like spending time with her. Mm-hmm. Like you can, it, it seems like she has mostly just her sons is who she's spending time with. And she's just kind of off on the side. And then Jacob and Rachel are the ones who are spending, um, all of their time together. And so for the fact that like Rachel wants these things bad enough that she says like, well, I'll just, I'll just tell Jacob he has to go with you tonight. And just the line too, that, um, when Leah says, is it a small manner that you have taken away my husband? 
and the, it, it really is like it's a it's a no win situation because yeah. in in one sense it was outright deception as to why Jacob even married Leah in the first place. Um, but in the other sense too, here's Leah who says like like we said she had maybe one week of having a husband and being alone with him, and then from her perspective he's been completely stolen away by her sister and all these different things. So really sad. Um, but yeah, Rachel or sorry, Leah eventually has um, two more sons. So she has a total of six sons that she herself bears, um, bears Jacob. So yeah, it's, I, it's a really, I mean, it's, it's sad to just think about the, the dynamic and the dysfunction and where Leah finds herself in really in, in this out of favor kind of experience, this pariah of the family. And where you almost get the sense like Jacob only comes out of obligation in the rare moments that he needs to. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's, I mean, that's rough. I mean, that's 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 an unfortunate tragedy in some respects. And, you know, Leah, and you go back to what, you know, how Evan, you started getting off, like Leah was dealt a very <laughs> sucky hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is like this picture here you see is so, um, it's so very stark um, to that, to that experience and that reality. So, yep. Um, so after this, Rachel would have Joseph, who is um, obviously a very famous son of Jacob and who the Genesis is going to be following here as you're reading along. The last section of Genesis really is Joseph's story with a few exceptions where they they come back to the family and see what's going on with the other brothers. But I think the other important thing to keep in mind with all of this is that Leah stays very loyal to Jacob. Mm-hmm. Um, and very loyal to the family. So, and she and she has every. If ever there was a character in the Bible who she could just like pick up and leave, and no one would blame her, it was Leah. Um, but she very much like she stays with Jacob. She raises uh, their sons together. They eventually become like um, pillars of the the tribes of uh, of the tribes of Israel. But there's a, there's a moment, and I can't remember uh, exactly when it is. But Jacob basically offers that he's going to go back to Canaan. And that Leah and Rachel would be able to to stay with Laban if they wanted to. Um, and I think maybe when he made that offer, he always knew that Rachel would come with him. But he he maybe thought that Leah would want to stay behind. But she ends up going as well. So after all of the events of, and we'll we'll kind of gloss over it. We'll be reading a lot of it in Genesis coming up. But we remember, you know, Joseph is killed or not killed. Jo- his death is faked by his brothers. They sell him into slavery. In Egypt, um, after this happens, Rachel bears one more son uh, named Benjamin, and then she actually ends up dying in childbirth. So that's uh, kind of what happens with Rachel. Leah, on the other hand, would live for many more years. Um, And eventually we know that Joseph would be in Egypt. He would rise his way through the ranks, eventually becoming second in command only to Pharaoh. And then when there was a famine in Canaan, he would bring his family over. And so Leah makes that journey. Um, so eventually she would die. We, we think she dies in Egypt. Um, but here's what, here's, what's really interesting. And I guess this is kind of the last thing I want to talk about is eventually Leah would be buried in the highest place of honor in the family. Um, and so there's the, at the end of Jacob's life, he's basically talking to Joseph and he's giving him instructions on what he wants Uh, to be done with his body. He doesn't want to be buried in Egypt. He wants to be taken um, to this cave and it's uh, the cave at Machpelah and it's the one that Abraham buys. And so Abraham 
and Sarah are buried there. So Abraham has Sarah buried there when she dies. And then when he dies, he's buried there. Isaac and Rebecca are buried there, um, which is interesting because that's the first time we know that that's where they're buried. Because mm-hmm. when Isaac and Rebecca die, that's not mentioned. Um, but it's really interesting and it's worth noting that Jacob chose to have Leah buried there and not Rachel. Um, and it could be like a location-based thing. I'm not saying necessarily that he completely flipped around on yeah. it. But when Rachel dies, um, he doesn't have her body transported to that cave, basically to be buried there and, and waiting for him. But mm-hmm. when Leah dies, he does. Um, and so Rachel, I forgot where she's buried, but it's basically really close to where she dies. And then when Leah dies, he has her body taken to the cave at, at Machpelah. And then eventually when Jacob dies, he is also taken to that cave. So it's kind of, it's an interesting note that we don't, sure. that we don't talk about very much that at, and I also do wonder that, and, and obviously it's, it's a really sad way for it to happen, but um, Leah does get that time with Jacob yeah. where she's alone with him. And it, of course it's because Rachel dies. Um, but, and we don't, I don't remember exactly how long it is from the death of Rachel till when, till when they die. But where she didn't get kind of that front-loaded moment of having her husband to herself. Now, yeah. all of a sudden, late in life, she, she does it. have these. Yeah. And I, I like to think that Jacob comes to appreciate Leah, and that's why he does what he does as far as her body being put there. Um, and he comes to not just view her as the throw-in bride, I yeah. guess, for lack of a better way of saying it, but he comes to truly value her as as a wife and as yeah. the the mother to his children. That's completely conjecture. I could yeah. be wrong. But. Well, and even like thinking in those lines, which is not, again, this is more commentary of, of my thoughts regarding the Bible, not necessarily like this is biblical scholarship, but it is, it is curious to me to think through the simple lens of, you know, you know, as couples get older today, they cherish more intimacy and what I mean by intimacy is that emotional relationship right. than, than the physical side of things, than the passion side of relationships. And so you've, you've got to assume in some respects that some of that has not changed throughout human history. And the older you get, the more, I mean, we see it with Solomon, the, the wiser he becomes where he's reflecting back on his life. And so you think some of those more like content mm-hmm. seasons of Jacob's life were spent with, with Leah next to him more than the youthful side of, you know, Jacob wanting to be with Rachel. Uh, you know, Jacob first fell in love with Rachel because of her appearance. Um, and Leah, obviously, we know, we've already discussed that at length, that she wasn't the most attractive uh, daughter of Laban. And so, so I think you do see this. You see, for me, I see this potential flip of appreciation and emotional intimacy and, and deep relationship that established after Rachel unfortunately passed away with Benjamin giving birth to Benjamin. Uh, so I think there's such a unique kind of dynamic mm-hmm. dynamic that I totally see play out. So yeah. yeah, I would agree with you on that. So side note, I looked at, this is why I was quiet for a few minutes. I was I saw, looking up, I saw you fierce. I was typing. looking up trying to figure out uh, the story of Onan, who's the guy's name, not Oren, but you were close. Okay. I'll give it to you. Um, we don't know if he was married or not. Oh. Um, what There's no indication that he was married um, and that was very quickly researching. It wasn't doing much beyond that, reading the passage, a couple of different translations, things like that. There is no clarity that he is married um, at that time. So um, it's neither here nor there, but that's just because it, it's going to drive me crazy if sure. I don't think about it. So, Well, on that note, let's just talk <laughs> about uh, Leah's legacy. Yeah. So I think, and this is where I think she kind of gets the short end of the stick because we, we never discuss her legacy. No. Um, I think number one, 
her life really demonstrates the the love and the mercy of God. And we and we don't really talk about very much about about the fact that she has four sons and then she goes through this period of being barren, just like Rachel goes mm-hmm. through this period of being barren, except she had sons before this period. Um, and then God has pity on her and he he really does see that she's in a sucky situation and he he blesses her with more children, um, which back then was, I mean, today children are a blessing, but back then it was really like this kind of, it was, it was, it was, yeah. it was more than it is today as far as it like, was more, it was even st- status driven. Exactly. The more children you had, the higher the status and reputation you carried. Mm-hmm. And so God is is constantly looking out for Leah and giving her opportunities of honor. Um, and I also think it's it's not insignificant that the two most prominent tribes in Judah are both sons of Leah, and yeah. that would be uh, Judah and Levi. Yeah. I think I said prominent tribes of Judah. I meant tribes of Israel, but you did say Judah, but yeah, good clarity. Um, because it's, it's interesting that um, the tribe of Benjamin, all that it's really famous for at the end of the day is um, it's two things. One, it's King Saul comes from that tribe. Mm-hmm. And then two, uh, Bethlehem is in the tribe of Benjamin. Yeah. So, but Jesus is not a part of the tribe of Benjamin, but he's born in, in land connecting to it. Yeah. Um, but even like the tribe of Joseph, which is split between his, his two sons. So it's Ephraim and Manasseh. Um, you don't hear very much yeah. about, about them moving forward. And I believe it's, is it Manasseh that kind of rebels towards, I can't remember, but yeah. Or I might be thinking, I might be thinking of King Manasseh too. So anyway, ignore, ignore that dearly. Just disregard that. Deleted. (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, of Leah's sons, Judah is the line of the Kings. Yes. And so that's David all the way through to Jesus is they're all from the line of Judah. Um, And then Levi. Wasn't Saul Benjamite? Yes. Um, So that's something else too. It's true. Um, And then Levi is the priesthood. Yeah. And so you have Moses and Aaron are from the tribe of Levi. Mm-hmm. And then all of the high priests after that are from this tribe as well. And so there's very much, I think what, I think what Leah took solace in when it was obvious that Jacob didn't love her and Jacob didn't want to spend time with her was that she had these sons mm-hmm. um, and that she would raise them and that they were kind of her, um, they were her glory, I guess, for lack of a better word. They were and her, her legacy. Yeah, her legacy. And so I think it's really fitting that her sons are the ones that go on to do kind of, the, at least tribe-wise, the descendants of her sons are the ones that go on to do great things uh, for the kingdom of Israel. And I can't help but think that Leah somewhere is uh, is happy about that. So Yeah, no, and I, I totally agree. I think it is it is pretty significant um, to remember that. And I think, I think the other picture that you see, because... We don't have a lot of accounts of how Leah, I think Leah was, we see accounts of Leah being frustrated uh, with Rachel and the lack of love and affection that she's receiving from Jacob, but you don't, you don't see her from what we can tell, be bitter uh, to bad mouth, um, to slander her husband. You don't see any of that. You sure. see a, a commitment to marriage. You see this commitment to honor her husband, um, even when she's not well honored. Um, or cared for. And I mean, the fact that she had to, you know, she gave up a very, very close, you know, close moment. She, she bought Jacob's time with the mandrakes is a pretty big deal. Um, But I think the fact that you see her steadfast, you see her remain faithful um, to where you see this redemptive story at the end of her life and being buried in a place of honor. Cause also that was another thing where you're buried matters um, for your legacy and reputation in biblical times, there is a big deal to that too. So 
Um, yeah, it was really, I think it's really, I think it's really powerful. And I think you're right. We don't talk about it enough, but it's also, I don't think there's a lot of thought given to it. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's fun to be able to pause in moments like these as we're reading through the story of Leah and just be reminded of like, nope, there, like God's redemptive story is even in Leah uh, and in Leah's story too. So uh, it's pretty, pretty unique. Judah uh, and Levi. There you be. Um, so we're going to go ahead and transfer over to our Q&A portion of today. I don't know if I said transfer. Transition is what I meant to say. We're going to segue. Segue. We're going to ride a segue. Great. Uh, but before we do, uh, just a quick reminder to go ahead and leave us a five-star review. If you uh, like the show, it would just help us out a ton Yeah. Um, as far as being able to get this out here to more people. Um, and so... Yeah. Well, and Evan and I were talking about it earlier, like it's been fun to see, and I think we've said this a few times, but it's just fun to see the podcast community grow. Um, where we all get to kind of, in some way, shape, or form, you guys are tuning in, in essence, to listen to us dialogue. And some of you are sending in questions to kind of help us continue the dialogue. We just, we just appreciate the time that you're committing and being engaged. And we would just love for you to, this community to continue to grow yep. um, because we love to talk about the Bible and some of the deep truths and even dissect different different moments to see more of God's redemptive narrative. So uh, that's what the five-star review is for. It just enhances uh, the opportunities for more people to see it in a prominent position. So. There love for you to do that. So this week, our question is this. Uh, good morning, good morning. Exclamation point. Says, dear listener. Uh, another let's read the Bible question. Can you explain? Okay, I'm going to say this real quick. I read this question. I was like, what the heck is LRTB? Oh, really? <laughs> I was like, what? what? I don't understand that. So the <laughs> fact that you just clarified that. I don't know if you shortened it or if that's how. I did not shorten it. You're just a brilliant man. We're just our, uh, this is, we got our acronym now. Well done, sir. Uh, so can, thank you for that acronym, by the way. Uh, can you explain Luke nine thirty three, or rather Luke's remark at the end of he did not know what he was saying? Isn't there some Jewish importance to shelters? Did Peter misapply it? Okay. So to give you some context here. Yeah. Let's read the passage first. Yep. So this is at the, the transfiguration. So this is Luke and we're going to read 28 through 36. Give you context. Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him, and this is Jesus, uh, Peter and John and James and went up to the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were walking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him uh, were heavy with sleep, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Let's make three tents, sorry. Uh, One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And then here's the aside that he's talking about. Luke says, not knowing what he said. Um, As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. They're part of the secret squirrel. Secret squirrel squad. Um, yeah. So, so here's what, here's what's really interesting. The, the question is a really good one. Yeah. So, so what what about Peter suggesting building three tents or tabernacles, whatever you want to call them, in these moments? What about that is wrong? Um, so there's a couple of things I'll, I'll say. Number one, it doesn't seem to be um, 
like this massively sinful moment. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is like, Jesus doesn't turn and rebuke Peter yeah. for what he says. No, it's, it's- It reveals his heart is good yeah. in the midst of that statement. So I think I think it's it's not a case of Peter like denying Christ. It's more of a case of Peter just like sticking his foot in his mouth and not knowing what he's saying. So I think first off, because I, I, I was reading some stuff- We call that, it speaking before he thinks. Yeah, I was reading some stuff where it's basically talking about how like Peter like committed like this grievous sin. I'm like, okay, I don't think that's what it's really talking about. So- Here's, and I'm curious how we're going to land on this because I don't even know. Um, here's a couple of the theories that I think make sense as what it could be. Um, so it could be Peter is just speaking rashly, and which, which would check out. Um, and he sees this as kind of a second exodus that's coming. He realizes what's going to happen. So just like in the first exodus, um, the people of Israel left bondage in Egypt into the promised land and this exodus, the people of, of Israel and the world um, would leave the bondage of sin and enter into the promised uh, relationship with God. So if Peter is perceiving this, that would make sense why he wants to build these kind of tabernacles mm-hmm. to, to commemorate the moment. So that could be one. Um, and he's just, and basically what that would say is he's just like, he kind of understands what's happening, but he just says like, Oh, we should, we should do this. Cause it's like the old one. Um, number two, um, he was wrong to suggest building three tents because in 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 a way this was giving equal amounts of honor to Moses and Elijah as to Christ. Mm-hmm. And so what that could be is is Peter still not understanding that that Christ is above them and he is the one who the the tabernacle for lack of a better word should be built for and Moses and Elijah are also servants of Christ. So that could be one too. Um and then finally it could also be, I see now in my notes that I cut it off mid-sentence. Yeah, you So did. now I have to remember what it, what could it be? It would, um, oh, the other thought would be that Peter wanted to extend the moment. And so instead of just kind of seeing what God was doing and, and obeying, he wanted to build these tents to essentially like extend out what was happening and live in this moment longer than God was intending. So those are the three things. Mm-hmm. Um that I think it could be. Yeah. I tend to lean to, um, this is also, we talk about this all the time, open versus close-handed. This is very open-handed. We've like not you talked can, about that much this year, by the way. Yeah, I guess that's true. In the history of the podcast, yes. We talk about open-handed, close-handed things. So, so as, as a refresher, closed-handed issues are ones where it's like, you're not going to move me off of this rock. Like well, these, basic, which should be basic Christian theology. Right. That, like, so like, Jesus Christ is Lord. That's a closed-handed issue. We're not going to... You can't be a Christian and and argue about that. Open-handed issue, um, why was Peter wrong? (laughs) This is the definition of like... You you can very much be um, Christ-following, God-loving people and disagree Mm -hmm. on this issue. So um, I I tend to think it's two. And what I mean by that is I tend to think what's happening here and why Peter didn't know what he was saying is that he's... Attempting to honor all three of them in the same way when the point of the moment is really not to show that Jesus is like Moses and Elijah. The yeah. point of the moment is to show that is to show that Jesus is above Moses and Elijah, and Peter's not quite grasping it. So that's where I land on why um, Peter is wrong for that. But again, could be totally wrong. Aaron, I'm curious where you land on it. I think you're fully wrong. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, um, no. No, I think... Um, I'm reading in, I've been reading it in several different translations, uh, the ESV, the CSB, the message version, the NLT, 
uh, and then jumping to the passion translation, which I think is a fun translation too. Um, and, and part of the, the verbiage and the wording that's being used in these translations is it, to, I mean, the passion just says this, like Peter impetuously blurted out. Um, and so I think contextual, I think the, uh, not contextual, I think, um, the, the basic synopsis is simply this. I think they were coming out of sleep. I mean, different translations said that they were actually sleeping, not right. just falling asleep, but they were in a deep sleep and they came to, and Jesus standing in a totally transfigured manner and, and form and seeing Moses and Elijah. And it's like, Oh my goodness, like we should totally build temples and tabernacles or whatever. We should build tents. Um, and so it was one of those things he, he probably spoke without thinking, thinking we see that in Peter's history. Like that's, 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 that's a very common, that's a very thing. Peter-esque thing to do. Um, so I was falling asleep. Yes. Well, yes. The, especially the closest disciples, right? Peter, James, John, they yep. like the garden of Gethsemane, they fell asleep and Jesus rebukes them. Couple of sleepy um, heads. But, um, I think that there's, so for me, I guess the camp that I landed more than anything else is the simple fact, like it, it's more of just a, like a, he just blurts it out without thinking cause he's coming awake, um, and is kind of captivated by what he's saying. And he, he word vomits, if you will, he, he brain dumps, he just throws out the thought com- that comes to his head. Um, the other part of me thinks that there is some, there's something to the fact that it's easy, you know, Jesus has this conversation with the disciples later that says, who do you say that I am? Some say the prophets, some say Elijah, um, you know, and so there is this like comparison game that's played and you see throughout Jewish history that they, they elevate Moses, they elevate Elijah, um, just based upon questions that Jesus has then presented. Are you, are you Elijah? Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a promise of the next Elijah, so to speak. And so I think there is something to be said about Peter's desire was more so to continue to establish honor. Um, and and I would say this very carefully, potentially worship individuals who are not Christ. Um, and they hadn't, I don't think at this point they had fully come to the revelation that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the son of God, but that they were following him and learning from him as a great teacher, as one who did the miraculous and who's doing things. Um, so I do think that there is, for me, like the the initial thing is based upon the different versions and translations is that it pretty much is, he just blurts something out having just been kind of awoken uh, by this incredible experience and moment. Because if Jesus like changed his figure being more bright and like, if you're falling asleep and there's a bright light, all of a sudden it wakes you up. Right. And so it's like, you don't know, it's like, who's that? Who, who that? Who dare? Like who, what's going on? Um, and so there is this gut level reaction. That's a water boy reference. Um, no, that's a... Uh, bringing down the house reference. Gotcha. Queen Latifah and uh, Steve Martin. Sure, sure. Funny movie if if you're interested. So and it's pretty clean. Um. So, anyways, all that to say, I think there is this like gut level reaction to the moment of what's happening because he's asleep. Um. But I also think there is a certain level of in Jewish history that to put individuals on platforms and there is something to be said when G when they walk into the cloud and God says, "This is my son, who, you know, whom I've chosen. Listen to him." Um, God at that point even elevates Jesus above Moses and Elijah for Peter, mm-hmm. James, and John. And then they don't say anything. That's the other side of it too, right? They don't say anything to anybody else. This is something that was under wraps. It became a secret for a while. Um, and then it was written about obviously in the gospels accounts. So um, all that to say, uh, I'm uh, my, just to recap, I feel it's a, it's a gut level reaction to something he's experiencing in the moment and thinks that, okay, we should totally stay in this moment and hang out because it's amazing. Let's build te- temples and tabernacles to reflect and remember. Um, and at the same time, the history that he grew up in was to keep elevated these big names in Moses and Elijah and Jesus mm-hmm. or the Lord. Um, and so there was that dynamic too. So, yep. 
right. Well, so great question. I, that's hopefully that I, hopefully that answers it a little bit. Um, I always feel bad when there's not a definitive answer. No, that and, we can and give. I think that it's you know you go back to like did Peter misapply the importance? I mean, he asked the question about the 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 listener who asked the question. Um, isn't there an importance to shelters? Yes, there's an importance to shelters, and Peter didn't misapply it. I think he's actually applying what he knows, and that's where I kind of refer to like keeping like the, these tent figures. It's done to be a place of worship. It's done to be a place of honor, and where the glory of the Lord has shown up in the Old Testament, we see that. Um, but I like as far as why he why he was wrong. Um, it's just one of those things. I'm not sure. I think it's a gut level reaction. I don't think he got rebuked, so it's not something we need to be really offended or upset. Or Peter's an idiot. Yeah. I just think he. He proves that in other, he, yeah, other parts of the Many Bible. other places. Um, <laughs> but he, he speaks without thinking often. Yep. So All right. good question though. Well, that is going to wrap it up for another episode of Let's Read the Bible. Uh, just a quick reminder that we are a podcast of the Grove Church, but we're not the only podcast of the Grove Church. You can find all of our other resources on our website at grove.church. And also while you're there, um, if this podcast has blessed you, uh, there is a give button. So the giving just helps us to keep uh, the podcast growing and also helps keeping just all the ministries that we do as the Grove Church. So um, if you feel like you would want to do that, just go to the website, hit give, it's really easy. So So anyways, with that being said, we'll see you all next week. Have a great day.